ain't ever gonna stop listening to me on Belly Podcast. Here we go. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Knee on Belly podcast, and we are your hosts, Nate and John. Not Brandon today, we are a two-man crew, but that's all right, because... Dynamic duo, some would say. That's right, and today, John, we are going to recap this past Saturday's UFC Fight Night Mexico City, where... Uh, upsets were a plenty, and the split decisions were alive and well. And we will discuss what the wins for Brandon Royval and Brian Ortega means for the future of both of their divisions, um, as both are now really big-time title contenders. Kind of interesting mm-hmm. stipulations there. Uh, then we will begrudgingly be giving you our picks and predictions for this Saturday's UFC Fight Night box office main event. Between Jarzinho Rosenstroik and Shamil Gaziv. And finally, and per usual, all the news and happenings in and around the world of mixed martial arts, including um, our thoughts on the big PFL Bellator card that also took place this past Saturday. Uh, man, it was just a full day of fighting on Saturday. That was crazy. Almost mm-hmm. too much, some may say, by the end of it. Uh, all that and more. But first, John, how are we doing? Episode 172 of the Neon Belly Podcast. Doing good, man. The sun's back out. We're uh, moving into getting closer to a pay-per-view. Obviously, we got a little bit to get through uh, before that, but uh, after last night, you know, the juices are flowing. There's a lot of things going, so let's get it. Yeah, the sun being out is very nice. Uh, A lot of people out walking. I know we're going to go out walking after this. I'm excited to just get out and get some fresh air. Um, and it does yeah. feel like spring is coming, which is always a it's just a good time of the year. Yeah, especially when uh, winter tried to peek back in for a second here for us. <laughs> well, I don't. I think it is because I think this week. I mean, this week's going to be in the 60s here in Central Indiana. Mm-hmm. I think most of the days, but then I think by the end of the week, it's going back down, like 42 or something. Yeah. yeah. So and and, and I think it the is, groundhog lied. I'm gonna be honest with you. Yeah, and it is Central Indiana, so there is a chance that next week we're back in the negatives with 10 inch. I mean, we woke up Saturday. Yeah. With snow yesterday, yeah. we woke up with snow, and then today it's like going to be in the mid-50s. So, good day, good times, lots to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, as said, we are two today, so bear with us. Um, we'll still get through everything. Might get through it a little bit quicker than normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before, John, we're going to lead with the UFC Mexico City recap. Uh, before we do, rate, sub, follow, let the people know what we need them to do each and every week. All right. Well, wherever you guys are listening us to, whether that's Spotify or Apple Podcast um, or any any place where you can get your podcast, if they offer you a chance to leave us a review, uh, it would help us out a ton if you would do that. If they offer you a star system, five stars helps us out a lot. Um, just kind of pushes us up to people, keeps us in the algorithms when people are looking into MMA and um, we just think that we're the perfect thing for especially the people who are trying to you know get their feet back wet or just stay uh, up to date with things if you're on social media that's Instagram that's YouTube TikTok we're a neon belly pod if you're or neon belly podcast if you're on X we're a neon belly pod so we're trying to do a lot of things on our YouTube specifically right now Um, so definitely come through and show us some love there yeah, if you've been supporting the YouTube, definitely appreciate that. Our last three videos are, you know, we were kind of like we would post something and it would be between that like 50 to 80 range. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 
our our last three have done really well. Um, I think we have one that's like right at 600, one that's at 200. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Ortega Yair video did 300. So appreciate it if you're taking time to watch those, especially if you're clicking the like button. That's super necessary and super huge. No idea what happened. We also posted, obviously, the video for Brandon Roy Val and Brandon Moreno. And I don't know. I still haven't seen, like, a flagging that we Mm-mm. got. I don't know what. But, like, for whatever reason, YouTube just did not pump. I think it's at, like, 15 views. People just didn't want to touch the battle of the Brandons. Dude. Yeah, the Brandon Bowl. I don't know if that was it or if, if we got fl- I don't know. I would feel like if we were flagged for something, yeah. I would have gotten an email or a notice about it. Mm-hmm. But nothing yet. But for some reason, I, I tried re-uploading it, changing the thumbnail a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. There's no rhyme or reason to There this, is man. no rhyme or reason. But as long as people, like I said, if you continue to support it, uh, hopefully eventually we won't have to worry about that stuff anymore. Um, and speaking of the Brandon Bowl, John, this is an interesting result here. I don't think a lot of people saw it coming uh, from this past Saturday. Again, as I said, in Mexico City, Brandon Royval defeats Brandon Moreno via split decision and in a night of controversial split decisions yeah uh we have had one here in our main event uh this was a super close fight i mean moreno came out uh and was so calm and poised in round one um i thought he was completely in control and i'm like yeah this is kind of about what i thought this was gonna be just kind of picking um royval apart um really nice combinations from moreno but then Rounds two, round two really starts, and I thought by the end of round two, Roy Val had kind of taken over, and I actually scored this fight. I gave Roy Val rounds two, three, and four. Um, I thought he was the one coming forward, throwing more combinations. I felt like Moreno was doing a good job in all of those rounds of landing big counter shots and landing leg kicks um, at the end of his combinations, but Moreno uh, just seemed to me to let off the gas a little bit in this one. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he was feeling the altitude a bit or what. I think we can get to the altitude a lot in most of these fights as we predicted last week. You know, we talked about that's going to be a factor here. Um, but regardless of the big shots Moreno landed, Roy Val just kept coming forward and adding up the volume. And I think the volume is the key thing here that won mm-hmm. him this fight. Um, I also thought Roy Val handled the grappling really well and, and a lot of those exchanges and really fun scrambles in this fight. And for a guy who was coming off that Pantoja loss where he kind of got schooled a little bit, especially in that grappling department, mm-hmm. um, coming into this fight, it was a late notice fight in a rematch against a guy that he already lost to last time in Mexico right Brandon's from I mean I know uh, Roy Val's Mexican-American but you know Brandon Moreno from Tijuana mm-hmm. right um, this is a massive win uh, for Brandon Roy Val um, and I'll lead by saying like I said I have no problem with the decision and um, if they would have said Moreno like I said those those middle rounds were so close yeah but I just felt like for me two three and four were what I gave to Roy Val mm-hmm. yeah you know it, I agree definitely super close I had it I had it 2-2 going into the fifth, and I thought Moreno got it, so I edged him um, because I thought the second round, Moreno was good at the you know front half. Roy Val toward the end yeah, kind of started it was like he was turning just, it on a I little bit. I think that's bit. what I told you guys. It's like It was like Roy Val was just stealing the end of like the latter half of every round, mm-hmm. the volume, he, and he was just kind of like... I've just never seen... I feel like I just it's been a really long time since we've seen a performance like that from... Moreno, man, he was like kind of just shelling up and almost like a couple times he was going to dial it in. I thought he was like, oh man, he might be giving up here. He was completely shelling up, putting his back against the cage and, you know, Roy Vall was just touching him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. You know, 
you know, he has really good boxing. So working his counters, I, I can understand some of that. Sure. The problem is, is, you know, the adjustment part where, you know, you're not landing as much. And granted, Rival threw, you know, probably 200 more <laughs> strikes than him. Yeah. But he threw, I believe, uh, Brandon Royval threw a total of, because it's, it's astounding, um, Four, five hundred and ten strikes he threw in this fight. Only landed one hundred and forty-five, twenty-eight percent. That's not great. Yeah. Um. But I also do credit Brandon Moreno for that because Moreno, again, I'm not saying this was a close fight. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying like I, again, if Moreno's name was read, perfectly fine. Yeah. Um. But uh, that's, I mean, five hundred and ten strikes, man. That's that's a lot of. Well, output. And, and I think that this is gonna, you know, this kind of came down to what a judge is like the judging preference to it because like you know how you said if if you said brendan moreno there is it's not like that's a robbery on either side because um i think it's it's all about optic as well because brendan moreno was landing huge overhand punches uh the leg kick started to add up especially late uh when he was finishing his combos with those and those seemed like the bigger strikes Mm -hmm. but then roy val was just throwing so much volume now i wasn't sure how they were going to see the volume because a lot of it was just off the hands and off of the gloves and I, I wasn't quite sure how the judges would perceive that, yeah. but I think that, uh, especially early, I didn't think that Roy Vall was going to be able to push through all this, especially he was favoring that left leg early. Yeah. Um, and then he started getting his right leg kicked off. I know he struggled to get into the post fight. I think I seen the thing where he was just, Oh, he was in some pain. Yes. Well, we can talk about that. Yeah. Sure, but I, I just think that, you know, it was a really gutsy performance and this, that's what this division is now. Yeah. It's really hard fights that, you know, you really got to kind of grit through to win. And that's how it's been for the past, I don't know, six, seven yeah, title fights. And, and every fight feels close. I mean, you know, you go back, there's a reason we saw Figueredo Moreno four times. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why, um, you know, the, whoever won this fight again, you know, is looking down a trilogy fight with Pantoja. And I mean, everybody's just so competitive at the top. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I just was really impressed uh, with Roy Vall because I can eat my words a little and I, I'm always willing to throw up my hands and say when I got something wrong. And like one thing I said last week is I just don't think he's had the time to really mm-hmm. make that correction. Um, the corrections from that fight and boy I don't know that necessarily he made the corrections I thought again I thought the grappling looked really good um I would still argue Pantoja might just be a better grappler than Brandon yeah. Moreno um and one thing that does worry me is I f- I hate to say this man but I really feel like we may have saw the first step in a regressing Brandon Moreno last mm-hmm. night and that's not to say because he was still competitive could have yeah. won this fight I'm not I'm not saying that like He's out of it, and he's ne- or he's never getting a title shot again, or never going to hold a title. I'm not saying that, mm-hmm. but I just think from what we're typically used to seeing, that felt like a more watered down version of um, Brandon Moreno. But it's so important to remember the wars that he's. I mean, the, like mm-hmm. I said, the four figgy fights. I mean, he's just been in there, and he's been. He's been in some wars, man, and so you do worry. Again, like I said, I know altitude makes things different, but um, I do worry that. But, again, just the fighting spirit from mm-hmm. Brandon Royval and, and the combinations, like you said, I mean, he was touching them. Not a lot of them really significant in terms of, like, maybe damn. I don't recall off the top Royval hurting Moreno mm-hmm. um, as to where – Moreno cracked him with some big counter shots. And I think that's why but, the judging kind of felt like I don't know which way it would go. But I felt like Moreno was whiffing a lot too. Um, mm-hmm. 
And that's what I'm saying. It was just a close fight. Um, but as we spin it forward, as we look at what's next, um, I, I, I kind of was thinking about it. And here I think this is what I would do with the top of the flyweight division. Um, because as I mentioned, regardless of who won this fight between Moreno or Raval, there was the potential of a trilogy fight against Pantoja. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would go ahead and give Roy Val that title trilogy fight. Um, he wants it. He said he wanted it. Um, and then I would book Amir Albazi and Manel Kopp as the next title contender. Now, Amir Albazi was supposed to face Moreno in this fight. He pulled out for, I think it was a neck injury. Mm -hmm. Not sure how long he's out for. The only thing I will say is, and you mentioned it there, is Roy Vall's legs. I mean, in, on the post-fight show, um, he had his left knee iced and his right knee was in a brace. Mm -hmm. And after they interviewed him, he's like, I don't know how I'm getting down these steps. And they were like, he's his coach had to carry him at the end of the presser. He was grimacing in pain. Uh, Mark Montoya had to literally pick him up out of the chair almost mm -hmm. there too. Um, really interested. You know, it could just be damage kicks. You know, like I said, we said, we both said he ate a lot of leg kicks. Maybe they're just hurting. John Jones is a guy famously after every fight cannot walk, right, because yeah. of his chicken legs. Um, hopefully there's no injuries there for Roy Vall. Um, but as long as he's healthy, because there's just really nobody else, mm -hmm. um, you know, other than Albazi. But, I mean, could I think Albazi's like what eight or nine straight? So could he deserve a title shot? Sure, right. um, but coming off of an injury, I don't know if that's the smartest thing. If Roy Vall feels like he's ready to jump right back into a title matchup, um, he spoke on the press fight con uh, uh, show, much like Alexander Volkanovsky, about how mentally bad things were for him. Mm -hmm. uh, got real emotional and talking about it after the Pantoja loss. Um, so he's ready. He wants yeah. that back and. I say why not, and then, you know, again, Albazi injured, Manel Kopp coming off that bad weight miss, you know, two guys that kind of need to get in there, and they're mm -hmm. both, because they both could be contenders, let's see who wins. Yeah, it, yeah, it's interesting, because, like, I would love to get away from the rematches, but the fights are so good, I'm not mad at them. Well, you, it's you know? tough, but at the top, you have, you know, Moreno, who's now coming off a loss, lost Nicolau, who I believe is, his last one was a loss to Roy Vall, um... Uh, let me see. I'd have to have it. In. I have we ever seen somebody turn get a title fight just after one fight after losing it, though? What do you mean? Because Roval, his oh, last yeah, loss is yeah, Pantoja. Yeah, for like, sure. How often does that happen? Well, I mean, we've we've definitely seen it. Um, I, I don't feel like it's been. I feel like it's been a minute. I guess when no. it's when it's a non champion that lost. I mean, like I dude, I'm sure like uh like a like a Poirier or somebody like that. I, I would have to go through, but I don't think that's as uncommon as you think. Um, but you know, like. Number one, Brandon Moreno, loss. Amir Albazi, injured. Roy Vall, just won number three. Number four, Kai Kara, who I believe just lost in his last correct, or he's injured. Yeah, he was he was supposed to fight Manel Kopp, but he had a, the concussion. Nikolau, I can't remember if he's coming off a loss. Then you got Kopp at six, Perez and Mohaev, uh, who are fighting uh, this coming Saturday. So, you know, hey, maybe if a guy like Mohamed Mohaev comes out and gets a big win this Saturday, makes a statement, maybe just for the fresh if Roy Vall's injured, if Albazi's injured, um, maybe they throw him in there. Mm -hmm. um, wouldn't be completely unheard of, um, I guess. You know, for the number eight guy, because you know, presumably, if he was, if he wins, there's there's a case with all these people in the top five that are in loss off losses, or mm -hmm. you know, have been out for a while. He could jump theoretically into the top five. So, and most of them, their losses are to people who are in within the same five. Like Kai Kara lost to Albazi. Um, you have. 
you know, Nikolai who lost to Brandon Roy Vall. Like it's, there's a lot of people there that kind of are moving pieces, but it's going to be on. And I mean, the, the common thread too is who's healthy. Cause you yeah. could still, I still want to see Kai Carr and Manel Cobb because of the story sure. that they put together. But yeah, it does if they're not, like if they can't make it happen, then yeah, this division's banged up. It, you know, it's like you said, really it kind of from top to bottom here. And I, and for Pantoja, you, I mean, he's probably your only really good Brazil main event you could do at 301, but we don't know who's going to be ready. So sure. maybe it's going to be, if you can fight at 301, you're getting a title shot one through, you know, eight or whatever. I, I mean, like I said, man, Mokhaev, that, that fight in Perez, if he wins in theory, we could see him in the top five. He could be next. That's something we'll have to talk about next week though. So we'll kind of shelf that one there mm-hmm. because I think once we get some clarity between uh, Perez, Mokhaev, um, maybe we'll get an update on Brandon Royval by next week. You right. know, you know, we, you know, we have our famous. We always call it our uh, pod curse where, yeah, where everything we'll record, comes out Monday. We'll, or we'll record a podcast, and as soon as we're done, we get some big announcement. So mm-hmm. you know, pending you know an injury from Royval and stuff. So I say we shelf it for a week. We'll revisit it next week after Mohamed Mohaev versus Alex Perez, which we will be discussing that fight here in just a minute. Uh, but let's move to our co-main event from last week, and this is a big one: mm-hmm. Brian Ortega. Defeats Yai Rodriguez via third round head and arm choke. Uh, this, like I said, massive, massive win for Ortega. Um, and it's kind of funny because much in the same sense, like very different, but I feel very similar to the Roy Vall upset as well. Um, and we'll get to the fight first, but because to come back from almost two years off, multiple surgeries, considering retirement, you know, which we talk about sometimes when guys get one, one foot in, one foot out, you know, to beat a guy like Yair, a former interim champion who's just coming off of a title fight loss. I mean, it was a loss, but a big title fight. This is big for Ortega. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this wasn't no tune-up fight, right? And we've talked no. about, like, he's been occupying this top five spot, but he's been injured for so long. And then, and so to come in and be like, hey, I'm still here, um, that's impressive, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and even had to overcome an early injury in this fight. I mean, Jeez. so as they're being introduced, I'm sure you got everybody saw it that's listening. Um, Ortega jumped up as Bruce Buffer is uh, introducing him and rolled his right ankle. I mean, yeah. the replay, I used to do that all the time to my ankles, and like yeah. I, that hurts, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's funny because I feel like in mixed martial arts, like you see guys do front flips or do jumps, and they'll jump into the cage and do front rolls, and then the joke is like, or they'll sprint, and it's like, what if they just like rolled their ankle? And it actually happened. Like finally, we've seen it happen now. Didn't, um, was it Yuri or somebody else who tried to do a flip and hurt their shoulder, or was it Walker? Uh, uh, I think Johnny Walker hurt himself. Celebrate! He did the worm or something and, and threw yeah. his shoulder out. But that was after the right. fight. We're talking like yeah, pre- pre-fight. It's like there's always been that joke of that. Um, so when you're sitting there and you see him shaking, trying to shake the ankle out, and I mean, I thought on his face it looked like for a minute he was like, I can't go, like yeah. you know. And then he, and then he, you know, in his post fight, he said he was just like basically like God, no, like no, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, kind of like the Izzy when he had the what was it, the staff infection? Mm-hmm. And he said he looked at it and just said no. Uh, <laughs> you could just see he was in some pain. So again, I'm sitting here like, well, geez, against a kicker like Yair, if Yair didn't, I mean, I don't know if Yair even noticed it, but it's like he starts lighting that thing up or whatever. Uh, and then Ortega came out and got beat up pretty bad in round yeah. one, got dropped. Um, to me, looked very similar to the round one of their last fight. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of teeing off on him, looked faster, sharper on the feet. Ortega marching forward and just paying for it every time. Um, and I thought 
honestly, when he got dropped, I thought the end was. I yeah. didn't think he was going to even make it out of round one. Um, but then, man, round two, Ortega comes back out. Um, and I thought after the first exchange they had in round two, I had messaged you guys and I said, Yair looks tired. The speed had faded that fast um, in between rounds. Um He's sitting on the stool in round one. He started to look, you could tell he was breathing heavy, mm-hmm. looked slower, looked tired in round two. Again, the altitude thing we said would make these fights interesting. Um, and Ortega um, finally got, uh, and I wish Brandon was here, but Ortega finally got a nice uh, <laughs> double Trip. leg takedown. Oh, yeah. He got it, kind of shot for a double leg, ended up kind of tripping him. But just to see Brian Ortega, that's one thing Brandon's always said, right? Is mm-hmm. Ortega needs to takedowns in his game. Um, and you, and Brandon said it last night. You see what happens when he gets him, beats up Yair for most of round two, and then round three, almost the exact same thing. Yair looked even more broken, a little bit more tired in round three. Um, and I felt Yair really seemed. Um, to kind of just dial it in. Honestly, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest, and my and as a fan sitting there watching it, um, this this finish was way too easy for Ortega. Um, when he got Yair down, Yair kind of just starfished. He was mm-hmm. just not. He was laying flat on his back. No attempt, you know, to try to get guard back to get out of mount. Um, and literally, as Ortega's going to lock up that head and arm, I mean, he literally almost seemingly just kind of gave it to him. I'm not going to insinuate he wanted a way out, mm-hmm. um, but I think he sensed the end was near and just, I mean, or he was just that tired, man. Yeah. I mean, but you could tell as soon as he hit the mat, whatever whatever he had in there was gone at mm-hmm. that point um, and dialed it in. That's an interesting thing to me for Yair, man. He's been in some wars. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't want to call him, you know, say that he's like soft or, you know, anything. I don't recall a history of Yair seeming mm-hmm. that way. Um, but boy, it really showed here. Good performance for Ortega. Um, but man, I do wonder how much of just a bad performance from mm-hmm. Yair also may have played in. I don't want to take away from Ortega because everything yeah. he was up against, even as we mentioned in the pre fight, rolling his ankle. This is impressive and big, but you do wonder. Yeah, you know, it, you know, we talked in the chat too. If like, you know, first round he does go in, really puts it on him, uh, engages him on the ground and looks fine. Doesn't look, you know, putting himself into bad spots. Is landing some ground and pound. Then he goes for a calf crusher, or it was a crap, no. He went for a yeah, man. Well, it wasn't no. That and that was the thing too. He kept making little small mistakes on the ground. No, he went for a knee slide. Uh, or a knee cut and like cause he was gonna try to pass um Ortega's guard. Mm-hmm. So he goes for a knee cut and when he did he just like turned around. I, I, he like much. stopped like halfway through it and um maybe he felt like his back was getting gonna get well that but that's what he so. did. He basically gave him his back and doing it but it was almost like he went for the knee cut and then was like gonna try to do a knee bar mm. which it's not impossible to go up from to do that, but you are giving your backup if you don't right. do it like snappy and fast. Um, and I think that's kind of because it almost like he was like got there and was like, oh no, and then was like, okay, I'm just gonna try to take this knee. And then yeah, I made a was really lucky. That was at the end of round one, right? Um, and got really lucky because as soon as he did it, I was like, oh no, mm-hmm. like, I, like, like I said, it, it would if you if you pull off something like that against Brian Ortega, really cool, yeah. but you're also doing an unneeded risk, but it's not worth it, you know. As a Yeager fan as well, he lives and dies by the sword. He takes chances. Sometimes they're not the right ones, but that's what he does. Um, and, and I thought even into round three at the beginning, I don't think he was 
dialing it in on the stand-up because I think he went hard, but as soon as it got as soon as he grabbed him and got him in the cage and he started falling, you just seen the energy oh, yeah. uh, completely leave. And I, I also wonder too, because he had a moment before the fight where he obviously he's meeting his family there. He's in Mexico City. It's a huge fight. So I wonder if maybe there is an adrenaline dump of fighting in front of all those people, your family. Um because I've never seen him like go over and like kiss his mom and have her pray for him and stuff right before he fights. So and, and also even for like Moreno, like I wonder what the pressure of this is for some of these guys because they're kind of the pillars of I think we've seen them both fight in Mexico and have success though if I recall um I, I think you know a lot of times that does I mean the pressure could be there but that's not I mean like again from from both of them because I didn't think the crowd was even that into either of these fights either which was a bit shocking to me mm-hmm. um audibly anyways watching at home it wasn't very loud for Moreno heck one time I saw like Ray Mysterio standing up trying to pump the crowd up for Moreno uh which by the way, seeing Rey Mysterio cage side, say what you want about the WWE UFC and this whole crossover. And, you know, now we've seen Michael Chandler cut promos on mm-hmm. uh, SmackDown or Raw, Tai Tuivasa doing a shoey with, you know, sitting ringside at, I think it was Elimination Chamber or something. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing Rey Mysterio, that inner wrestling oh, kid for me was like, that's pretty cool. In the mask, sitting cage Can you imagine side. watching a whole <laughs> UFC event in a mask? Yeah, no, Ugh. the dedication is crazy there. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't really see that, man. I don't really look into that. I mean, again, Yair's a Chicago guy who trains up there. He's fought in Chicago. He's he's so he's used to that thing. I mean, mm-hmm. these are these are high level experienced veterans. You know, if it right. was if we were sitting here talking about Raul Rosas Jr., you know, which we'll get to that in a minute, all that whole thing, but a young kid, right, mm-hmm. who's never been here before and like that would be one thing. But you know, these guys are vets, man. Well, and I guess I just I, I liken that to like the like a Derek Lewis who, you know, gets to a point where you think, oh, this should be tailor-made for him and it doesn't work. Or maybe it's even for Yair, maybe it's a moment thing where like Cerrone could not get past a certain moment no matter how good he did in other fights that, you know, Yair, we've seen him kind of, crumble in the the title fight and then even in this case i, I don't yeah, know if that's it, what it and is maybe he just has a big fight issue yeah you know like more of a mental block there but i mean again dude i hate to keep saying it but and being a kane velasquez fan you know that fabricio verdum kane fight yeah. you know for kane to be in mexico and for what happened to happen because he just completely underestimated the altitude mm-hmm. i mean dude it just go to those utah fights man like it just changes the dynamic and when and like for Yair like when you start grappling at that altitude man and you're just not used to it Mm -hmm. um it's different I'm sure it has to be different so I I don't know it's it's an unfortunate thing like I said I I hate to be like so much like oh it's Yair doing it to himself because Ortega deserves all the credit today Mm -hmm. for what he did um but just not a great showing there by Yair and a big spot that in a sense you gotta feel for him too because he wins that there's a really good chance you're setting yourself up yeah. for a title shot um, because Ortega, which we can move right into now, it's like, I don't know, you know, Yair winning it, you know, like I said, former interim champ coming off a title, he gets a win here. It's pretty easy to see Yair in a title spot. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's talk about it because as we discussed last week with the new featherweight champion in Ilya Tapodia, everything is wide open. And uh, much is going to be made about what to do with Ortega now. And with Volkanovski, uh, for, uh, bang on for a rematch should he choose to do that. Um, prevailing wisdom would tell you that Ortega may have to fight again for a title shot unless, as I said last week, just because Volk's next fight could be Taporia, um, 
I can see a world where Taporia's next fight isn't Volk right. if Volk wants to move up, if he wants to take time off, whatever. Um, so should that play out, um, I think Ortega's name has to be in contention for Taporia's first title defense. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the Volk rematch is next for Taporia, I think you have to do either Ortega versus Mobzari Vloyov or Ortega versus Max Holloway too as well. Should Max decide to come back down after the Gaethje fight? Although I will say um, the only way I think Max... Max comes back down off a Gaethje win is for an automatic title shot, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, So I see that outcome a little less likely. I'm just saying Max because he's up there in the rankings and he's undecided on what he's going to do. But I don't. But then again, again, if Max, we're talking six, you know, scenarios here. If Max loses to Justin Gaethje, it'd be hard for him to come back and get a title shot off of a loss, even though it's a, you know, weight class up. Mm -hmm. So maybe your Nortega rematch for number one contender would make sense in that case. Uh, again, this is all depending what Volk does. Yeah. Um, so I think we have to kind of prepare for Volk to step back into a rematch just because that's what he said he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, timelines, everything. And, uh, Tapodia may want to go before Volk's ready. Right. And, you know, speaking on the timeline too, is Max is going to have a very tough fight on his hands yeah. at UFC 300. It very well could be a, a long drawn out bang fest yeah. right and, and and i i don't know if you saw too uh max did a live stream watching these fights last night and has a pretty significant cut under his eye i noticed that mm. um so that's something to kind of watch as we start rolling here into 300 um it didn't look significant enough to like cancel the fight or right. call the fight off or anything like that but um not always great when you see guys come in already kind of for beat a guy up. who doesn't spar ding 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 <laughs> <laughs> i thought that too um which it, tells me He's probably doing some sparring. Yeah. Um, probably because of the weight class going up, wants to feel maybe bigger guys. Yeah. I don't know, but I thought that was pretty significant. Could have happened in grappling. I mean, who knows? Right. Yeah, and like I said, so he has to fight on 300. Ilya wants to fight in Spain. That right. hasn't been even set up yet. So they still have to, you know, set that up, find a day, all those type of things. Right. So because there's the Volk has to decide what he wants to do, Um and even if even after that they have to set up Spain they have to do all these things i think for especially for somebody like ortega who needs to kind of get back to some consistency because layoffs are hard and i mean if if Yair maybe has him stand up in that first round instead of following to the ground, who knows what happens there? Yeah, I, and I think that's still a hole in Ortega's game a little bit is that strike defense because, we, as we know, you can't let Ilya hit you. Yeah, and Yair was able to do it pretty much whenever he wanted. So there is a little. He probably does need a little bit of time to show that up. So I think that Mavzar and Ortega is definitely the fight to make, and I would love to see those grappling exchanges. It would be very very interesting. Um, and and on Ilya, I do want to go down something here a little bit. Um, we saw this week, you know, Ilya Tapodia coming out and basically in saying that he only wants a super fight, essentially. You know, he said he wants, considering O'Malley, obviously the Volk rematch. Um, but he said, you know, I think this was kind of, if not Volk, um, he wants like an O'Malley, um, Max Holloway, mm-hmm. and Conor McGregor. Uh, and okay, maybe fair enough with Max because he is ranked highly. And again, if Max beats Justin, I think he could come back down for a title shot. I think it'd be a ma- be a massive fight. Yeah, nobody's mad at that. And I see Max as Ilya's greatest threat. I will say that right yeah. now, uh, stylistically, matchup wise. Um, but I'm kind of just man. I feel like as we've started to see like this new breed of champions and champions turning over, and we're seeing these kind of new new wave of guys coming in. Everybody wants those big super fights right off the bat. Um, 
and man, it's just not realistic and it's mm-hmm. just not fair to the rest of the division, really. Um, and when you're a new champion, in my opinion, as a fan, uh, I mean, this is as a fan speaking, not even like, obviously, I'm not a fighter or anything. I want to see you defend that title, man. Yeah. Like, I want you to solidify and stamp yourself as the best in your weight class before I see you go up or down or challenging other champions. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important to me as a fan. Like, I, I want to know, like, and it's going to make those super fights feel even bigger. Look at Volk. He did it six times before he got to Islam right. or Hashev, right? And then on the flip side, look at a guy who Islam, in his first title defense, had a super fight with Volk, right? Yeah. Um, and it held up the lightweight division now for almost over a he year. He doesn't have a lightweight title defense exactly. against the actual lightweight. Now, the second one with Volk was more circumstantial, right? right. We're supposed to face Charles Oliveira, got injured. Um, but, yeah, I just feel like, man, uh, it's held up the lightweight division. And that's mm-hmm. that's the example, you know, if there's one case against that, look at that. Because, man, the, the lightweight division is full of contenders right now and guys that are wanting those title shots. Look at Armand Sarukian. Mm-hmm. You know, we could have seen that rematch by now, but because we got that big super fight, which... Again, the fact that Volk was the other half of that, a guy very much deserving of that super fight, I can be a little bit more like um, less critical about that, right? Um, Because Islam kind of, it just fell in his lap Mm -hmm. rather than I don't really recall Islam going looking for that fight. If I don't, I think he said it maybe as an option. But yeah, I mean, and it's not even just Ilya. I just feel like a couple of these newer champions, as soon as they're getting that belt wrapped around them, they're like, I want this person. You know, Mm -hmm. they're talking about going up and down and here. And it's just like, no man like chill like solidify yourself as the greatest to do this and like i and i understand it from these guys from a financial standpoint and just wanting the biggest fights and and you know connor's made it look fun right and yeah i was about to say it's the connor effect which is why he mentioned connor's name and it's a great i and say you want those things you know Mm -hmm. but just like o'malley wins the belt and the one of the first names out of his mouth is tank davis in a boxing match like dude Chill, man. You just beat a guy who's the most winningest bantamweight champion of right. all time. He wasn't getting Tank Davis. He was. He was. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. just. I, I just. I, I, again, I just one thing that just kind of irks me a little bit um, is like you know make that belt feel big, make that title right. feel big, make it fe- seem like something. Like again, you know, get into the wrestling thing. Like you know when there's more like secondary titles, right? Like the U S or intercontinental, you know, if those guys, those guys got to go out and sell those titles and make it feel bigger than what it really is. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. So I I didn't, I didn't really have that to go down, but it just kind of sprung on. And I wanted to touch on that because that was a big talking point this week for was Ilya wanting these big matches. And it's like, man, you got it. You got to defend this title. And and look at the history of your division. There's a reason there's only been four or five champions. Six. I think, I think he is the or is yeah, he it the was fifth? Aldo, McGregor, uh, Max, Max, Volk, Volk and, and then now Ilya. Yeah. So five. Those guys. Uh, Some people consider Yair. I don't count yeah. interim champs. Well, like minus yeah. minus Connor because obviously he didn't defend. He, sure, but everybody but else. He was a champ. He yeah. didn't win the title. But I'm saying all the other three are all long reigning champions yeah. who defended a whole bunch of times and like even. I don't know, and I'm with you too. I think that there's this weird, like, there is like the Connor effect of, well, if I win this belt, and then I'll go get that one, and then you know try to get this, yeah, and it's like it's so different. But that's not your path. Yeah, you know, these guys like nobody has the same path as Connor. So these guys right. need to kind of build your name, build your like solidify yourself because, like, for Ilya, for being honest, a lot of guys didn't know you until this fight. Yeah. 
unless you're watching all these other fights that he's been in, like you, you need a chance to put yourself on that pedestal to sell. Because here's the thing, even if you do get that opportunity, if you don't, you know, if the pay-per-views don't sell, you're not going to get those again. And I understand, you know, again, and I'm sure one thing Ilya's considering is he's not going to get many opportunities to fight in Spain. Right. Right. So if you're going to get this chance, if it's going to be at the Bernabeu or it like, or when Real Madrid stadium, and let me say something, the potential for Ilya to be a star, not just in Spain, but over there in Europe is like, he is on the cusp of mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's this one of the kind of closer things I think to Connor. I mean, seeing Real Madrid post, you know, congratulatory things to him. I'm seeing like, I think I saw like a Ferrari dealership over there gave him a Ferrari. Like, I mean, dude, like he's becoming a star right. over there. So I do understand his maybe view of like, if I'm only going to get this once, I want it, or, you know, I mean, realistically, the UFC ain't going back to Spain maybe even every year. So mm-hmm. if he's only going to get it, I understand wanting it to be the biggest show possible. But man, just, t- you know, just be, I mean, in a sense, like just be happy if they can even put it, pull it off. But even if you have to face a Max Holloway or a Brian Ortega, like it's still going to be big. Right. Like, you know what I mean? And and those are probably really a lot favorable matchups as well. Like go take your big win. You know what I mean? Well, just, and even like just a real quick to get back on the O'Malley thing is he also immediately after that fight wanted to fight Ilya instead of talking about sure. the Marab situation. Kind of had to backtrack like, okay, fans want me to see me fight Marab, so I'll do that instead. But yeah. I think it's just all these guys are kind of catching the hype a little bit and they all want to take it from each other instead of just building up their own. Yeah, 100%. Uh, real quick, kind of. Following up the rest of this card, uh, also have to mention as we kind of tease there, Raul Rosas uh, versus Ricky Turkios was canceled uh, last night. Uh, I guess Raul was in the back trying to warm up, but he was too ill uh, to fight. And the p- plan is they are been, have been rebooked, excuse me, for uh, this Saturday's mm-hmm. UFC fight night. So we will get that fight this Saturday, which, um, I mean, hey, it just adds another car- fight to the card, I guess. Yeah, sucks um, for Raul, though. It would have been a good chance for him to get you know, the, uh, the whole embracing and, and a moment to make a yeah. statement there. But uh, any other fights that stood out to you, John? I know there's a couple. I think the three other three fights on the main card are all people you need to watch. Yeah, uh, I agree. Daniel Zellherber against Francisco Prado. Amazing fight. Yeah. Uh, Yasmin, um, how do you say her name? I have no name? idea. Her Yeg- Hiegu, something like that. She's 11 and one. She looked amazing. And Manuel Torres, yeah. man, that dude looked rough at the beginning, ends up just slamming Chris. Uh, dunking down and getting the submission. Uh, all three of those looked really, really great. Yeah. Um, and even on the undercard, there are a bunch of really good fights. Uh, Jesus Aguilar looked really good. Um, and I and here's I I do want to touch on um, El Loco Manuel Torres real quick. Uh, man, he has had a really impressive run in mm-hmm. the UFC. Um, you know, beating a guy like Frank Camacho, who okay, Frank Camacho historically probably one of the worst in terms of like record-wise uh, UFC runs. Mm-hmm. Um, but Frank Camacho fought Lee Jilingong, Drew Dober, Jeff Neal, Benil Dariush. Like, he's been in there with some big-name guys, and, you know, Torres dispatches him in one round. Um, Nicholas Mota in his last fight. Nicholas Mota is a dangerous mm-hmm. fight, man. And, again, beat him in round one. Um, and here he is beating Chris Duncan in round one. Um, you know, not and Chris Duncan on a three-fight win streak of that. Yeah, um, and Two. Yeah, so three fights for Manuel Torres, three first round finishes, four first round finishes if you include his contender series fight. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you remember he was on the knockout of the year for that elbow against Mota last year for us. Absolutely, like, you know, we, we threw him in the no, mix. No, hundred percent. And then, dude, Daniel Zellherber is. 
I like Daniel Zeller. Dude, he is huge. He he reminds me of what like uh, you see sometimes with Jalen Turner a little yeah. bit, just being so long and rangy and being able to use it so well. Obviously has a good camp being with Extreme Couture yeah. uh, partially. Uh, really excited about him as well. No, I totally agree. Um, Farasi M uh, defeating Claudio Pouliez. Pouliez, man, that's two in a row for him. He was a guy you know I was pretty high on, uh, so take that for what it is. <laughs> yeah. But uh, good win there. I'm looking down. Uh, dude, the uh, Barcelos, Ronnie Barce- Honey Barcelos, that, that fight was, was crazy. Um, yeah, because it looked like that Barcelos was trying to do the right things, but his body was just kind of d- betraying him a yeah. little bit. He wasn't quick enough. Uh, he was eating a lot of stuff. Gets an opportunity at the neck and jumps on it quicker than uh, kids in a pinata can- for yeah. the candy. Like he, it was wild. He's a dangerous dude, man. Uh, already updating on the scores, uh, zero points all around this week. All, th- uh, all three of us he went. He's rubbing off. Yeah, we went. Yeah, Brandon's bringing us down. Uh, yeah, we all we all three went. Yair and Moreno. So, uh, which is pretty rare, um, and maybe strategically something I'm going to start. You know, if I'm in first place, last one to pick, I might start switching it up a little bit because yeah. uh, the chances of I don't know though, man. I I I, I stand on my picks. Yeah, I, I guess I it's tough for me to even say that because um, I it would have been really I wouldn't have felt good about going the other way in either of those fights. Mm-hmm. I mean. Ortega coming off a two-year injury stint. Uh, Roy Vall turning around in just like a month and a half to face another top. Like, I, Well, and the other side of it is the decision could have went the other way, and Yair was in a position to get the finish, and it just didn't happen, and he ended up fading out. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it would it was would have been tough to go the other way. That's why fighting is so fun, man. You just never Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Let's spin it forward, John. UFC fight night this Saturday from the Apex. Um, and if you are new here, uh, this is probably going to be a very watered down version of our picks uh so bear with us there's some good fights and some good names on this card and we'll discuss them um but all together like let's be honest this this card is not worthy of being a standalone card the main event at best would be a pay-per-view prelim maybe an okay fight on a main card fight on a fight night um i'm honestly not even going to bother putting a youtube video together because i just don't think as fans like us would really even care. Um, I honestly think this might be worse than the Holly Holm Ketlin Vieira fight night we got last year. Um, so again, please don't judge us off this if you're new here because um, we're probably going to kind of breathe breeze through these a little bit quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but with that, let's get to it. Um, like I said, this Saturday uh, special main card start time of 4 p.m. So yes. I guess there's that. Yeah, at least there is that. It's the sunshine. We do get some sunshine and some fights. So uh, get the Modelo on ice a little bit earlier this week <laughs> in our heavyweight. And I'm going to need it to get through it. Our heavy. No, I'm just kidding. There, there really is. And, and I'm going to talk about some stuff. I, I really had to find something to get me motivated for this main event and I think I kind of did so in our heavyweight main event we have number 12 Jarzinho Rosenstroik versus Shamil Gaziv uh John Rosenstroik is coming into this fight off his first round submission loss to Jelaton Almeida last May um he has won just one fight in his last four with that lone win being a first round knockout against John's very own Chris Dacus um and for some context his other three losses were against Guys ranked inside the top 10, really the top eight. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but looking to enter his name into the rankings this Saturday is the unranked but undefeated Shamil Gaziv. Uh, Shamil is a perfect 12-0 in his career so far and, and is coming into this fight off his UFC debut back in December where he beat Martin Dubai, or Budai excuse me, by second round knockout. Um, so here's what I think. I think if there's one thing um, to be interested in seeing this Saturday, it is the potential here of Shamil. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to me, this seems like a guy they are wanting to build and push. I mean, regardless of Rosenstroik's re- recent shortcomings, he is very experienced, mm-hmm. been in there with some of the best in the world. Um, so to not only be getting a ranked opponent in just your second UFC fight, but also a guy who's a veteran like Rosenstroik, we're going to learn a lot about Shamil Gaziv um, while also seeing if Rosenstroik can hang around the top 15 because... When is the last time, and I, this is what I was kind of thinking, Alex Pedeta has probably had one of the craziest, fastest climbs mm-hmm. um, in UFC history, yet I believe in his second UFC fight, he fought Bruno Silva. Was that his yep. second fight? So wasn't even a ranked opponent, and here Sham, uh, Shamil Gaziv is getting the number 12 ranked heavyweight mm-hmm. in the UFC, regardless of where Rosenstroik is. That's massive, man. That That is a lot of pressure to come in and face a ranked guy and then a guy as experienced as Rosenstroik. Um, and, man, if he beats Rosenstroik, a top 12 guy, he's not only you know going to enter the top 15, could take it as high as that top 12 ranking. Um, I mean, he's looking at a top 10, top 8. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. the, it's the heavyweight division. You know, maybe could be up there as number 6. I'd have to look at the rankings. But... I mean, this could be, if he wins that, wins this, wins another one, right. I mean, he could be three, four, five. I mean, there is a chance. Yeah. I'm just saying, in theory, if this, if Shamil Gaziv is who they want believed him to be, clearly because he's getting this fight, we could see the Alex Pereira yeah. run beat. So if there's one thing to get Jack for, to <laughs> yeah. see, or to keep your eye on it, if he beats Rosenstroik, this is big, man. Yeah. And we'll talk about it next week. We'll wait for that outcome to happen. Um but that is one thing, you know, I, right. when you're a fight fan, you can kind of dig in and really get your, get your fingers into something mm-hmm. and figure out what you like about it. Yeah. And I think that's what I like here because we just don't see guys in their second UFC fight. I was trying to think and I'm like, okay, Diego Lopes, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, or Lopez, excuse me. Um, okay. You know, like maybe that's, him, that's a fill-in though. Who, who got mobs are, but it was a fill-in. Right. Exactly. This is a scheduled bout. I mean, they gave him this guy off of. I mean, he got a contender series win. But. Well, the only time we've seen it is this year and late last year with the middleweight division where Abus is getting a ranked opponent, Ekrom's getting a ranked opponent, but it's not something that they usually have ever done. But didn't didn't Ekrom uh, or Abus, one of them I feel like had, I wouldn't be able to find it quick enough, didn't one of them... They, they, I think, I don't think they... How many UFC fights did they have? Abus had zero because remember he came from the PFL... Yeah, but he came over and Ekrom, I, I don't think he did either. I thought Abus had a UFC stint prior, though. Ooh, I don't think so. Because I remember we talked his biggest fight was um, Sadabusai in that, the PFL. You're right. Yeah, so I guess Abus would hold that. Well, no, he had one fight. He beat Dustin Stoltzvis uh, and then got Sean Strickland. So I guess they're kind of tied, and Sean Strickland, I think, was ranked. Well, and another one down the card, uh, Umar's opponent now. So oh, now gosh, it's like, I guess. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. So, so it, there's a little bit of a theme here, Yeah, but, <laughs> but but to your point, though, what we've, as fans, found out at heavyweight, if you go 4-0 and as a pro, it's you're going to get a UFC fight. Yeah. And if you win three in a row, you're going to be top five. And that's what I say here. If, if he beats Rosenstroik, wins his next fight, his next fight, in theory, could easily be a number one contender matchup against yeah. a top five heavyweight. So, Especially when we're looking at 
some of the top two possibly retiring after yes, the next fight. The cl- so the climb can be fast and heavyweight. With that, uh, Brandon is not here to lead us off. We'll get his pick uh, this week, um, and obviously you guys will know it next week. But John, let us know in second place who you're taking this Saturday. Well, the good thing is since he's not here and didn't submit, then I can still take a pick and he can't block it. That's true. So it works for me. It does. Um, you know, with this one, it, well, this is what it is, is if you look at a Rosenstrike, when he looks bad, it's Curtis Blades, it's Almeida, it's guys sure. who can take him down and control him, um, and it's not hard to do. Um, and I don't know that, I don't think that Rosenstrike could get Shamil off of him, but the problem is, a lot of time when you look at Shamil's fights, he just blindly shoots double legs. Yeah. Um, he just kind of reaches out for guys. And the problem with that is when you have a striker on Rosenstrike's level, you're going to walk into an uppercut or something big. Like the thing about Almeida is he's throwing a couple punches and he's a lot more athletic than Shamil. Let's yeah. just be honest there. Um, but Shamil also has power when he wants to throw that. I've seen, you know, if you go back and look at his highlights, he starches people with big punches yeah. because they start worrying about him getting to a leg and, and things of that nature. Um, and he's just been finishing. Like you would think somebody who a heavyweight who's wrestling heavy maybe isn't as much of a finisher but we're kind of starting to see that be a thing right. now with the almeidas as well so i'm gonna actually take shamil by um i'm gonna say second round tko i think rosenstrike would do a good job of trying to stay away and maybe stifle some of those takedowns but all shamil is gonna have to do is get on top of him and i don't think rosenstrike can get him up off of him so I'm going to take Shamil by second round TKO. Yeah, one thing about Gazib that I also didn't mention real quick in the rundown is of his 12 wins, all but one is by finish, and three are by submission. And Shamil definitely, as John mentioned, has a ground game that worries me for Rosenstreich in this matchup, um, especially with his abilities to get guys down, and especially the ability to get guys down off the cage. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I watch Shamil in his past couple fights, um, there's no doubt that he hasn't faced anyone on the level of Biggie no. Boy because because make no mistake, Rosenstreich is still one of the most feared strikers in this division mm-hmm. and probably one of the better kickboxers as well. Um, and outside of Volkov, who is a striking nightmare matchup yeah, for anyone, huge. and Sadio Gan, who's an elite-level fighter, we haven't seen Rosenstreich really beat up on the feet. It's guys taking him down um, and either submitting him or grinding out decisions. And I'm just not so sure that Gazeev will come out and look to take Rosenstreich down like we think a lot of us think that he probably would or should. Um, and I also think even if Gazeev wants to come out and hunt the early takedown, um, he's going to have a harder time backing Rosenstreich up like he likes to do to a lot of his opponents. Mm-hmm. Because again, Shamil's a guy who utilizes that grappling off the cage. I also think so far this year, We've been seeing experience play a huge role in these yeah. bigger fights. Um, and I keep saying, like, man, we got to start giving, you know, experience a little bit more. Um, um, what, what's the Respect. word? Respect. There you go in these picks. Um, so I do like Rosenstreich here. And, and not even just for the experience thing. Um, I just think in terms of striking, because I do have this feeling that Shamil is going to want to strike with Rosenstreich. Um and even to just kind of come and try to paw at him, you just cannot do that against a guy like Rosenstreich. Um, I think Rosenstreich needs to finish inside two rounds, um, and I would love to see it in the first round because the longer you're in there with a guy like Shamil, the tired Rosenstreich gets, mm-hmm. the worse off he's going to be. I'll take... Jarzinho Rosenstreich by first round KOTKO and I'm believing for the first time that we're finally going to see the grappling of Jarzinho Rosenstreich it has to evolve at some point um, and, and because you know what this doesn't for me in a sense with Rosenstreich it's not even that it feels like 
this could be, you know, just him hanging on to a ranking. Man, like, if you go out and you get taken down and down, like, man, it just, I don't want to say he's fighting for his UFC future here, but it would be really tough to see him in there with anybody. You know what I mean? Well, and, you'd have to just start giving him the strikers. And he's a, yeah, and he's a name. I mean, they might keep him around again. He's heavyweight. Alistair Overing. I know. I mean, but, that's, a, that's but, something. But it was a striking thing. Right. You know, and Alistair's a, a, a competent grappler as well, but he trains at too good of a team does Jarzinho. He trains at American top team, like right. down there in coconut Creek. Like he should have some better grappling than what he does. And I just feel like he's around the right team. And then surely after that last one too, with it's Almeida, yeah, they're going to have to just be like, dude, we've got to figure this out. You well, know what I mean? well, and this is my problem with that though. Say he does work that you're still not going to out grapple Shamil. No. And, and I feel like he, and, and here's my other problem with, uh, Rosenstruck because I feel like he's he's not letting go. He gets kind of pensive and because well, he he's worrying about right. Yeah. So, but when you do that, you know, one round goes by, two round goes yeah. by, and like you said, you've maybe fought off a couple of takedowns. But I, I, he has to like really kind of go for broke a little bit, yeah, and and put it on the line. I feel in this. I also feel like Shamil's just kind of gone against some smaller guys. Like again, going back and watching some of his pre UFC or Dana White contender mm-hmm. series fights, like he's kind of gone against some some smaller guys, and even you know Martin Budai is not the big. And I mean, not, you know, Biggie Boy's not the tallest, longest guy, but right. yeah, I just. I just feel like the striking is just too good on uh, Rosenstroik. And, and even like with Shamil, a lot of his, you know, ground top game comes from him knocking guys down. He tries to set it up, you know, knock guys down, get on top of them. So we'll see. Um, like I said, I just think there is, there's, there could be something here with Shamil. Mm-hmm. We'll have to see this Saturday. But if he wins, it's going to be big. Um, well, in the experience thing, too, I tried it with Vulcan. It didn't work out for me. Very that's well, true. So. 35, man. You should have known. <laughs> that's true. This also on this card, John, a great matchup in the co-main event between undefeated mm-hmm. uh, Vitor Petrino and Tyson Pied Tyson Pedro. I can't. Oh, that was a horrible Australian <laughs> accent. Ah, I'm trying to. I can't. I can't go find my Aussie accent. Uh, Petrino, I believe, uh, doesn't have rookie cards out yet, but when he does, snatch them up. This yeah. guy. Honestly, you mentioned a name a minute ago, and he gives me these same vibes as Jalen Almeida. Um, mm-hmm. He has some serious one-punch knockout power. He's a very, very good grappler, super strong and more than capable of taking uh, any fight to the ground. I like Petrino to stay undefeated here against Pedro, but your thoughts on the matchup? Man, I think it's uh, – and he's a finisher too, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, and super – we've just seen – dude, the way Pedro got knocked out by Shogun, when, you know, Shogun was definitely in the – the end of his career it's like mm-hmm. i gotta question the chin a little bit there on pedro as well well yeah and i mean the good i mean the good thing for pedro is he hasn't been super active sure. so that was in 2018 uh since then he's he's knocked some people out and had a decision loss so yeah and he's been more full-time with city kickboxing which hasn't had the greatest run but yeah. does give him better sparring partners i believe and better coaching so it, it will be interesting to see if petrino can kind of get past the kind of veteran savvy that tyson pedro will bring but it is really hard to go against against uh, somebody who just looked so, so good in uh, Petrino. Another fight we mentioned it a minute ago. We'll feature it real quick. In the flyweight division, number seven, Alex Perez versus number eight, Mohamed Mokhaev. Uh Perez is a former title challenger, a guy who's always kind of hung around the top, um, but not going so good for him as of lately. He's on a two-fight skid, um, and he has really just been plagued Bad by luck. weight misses, injuries, and... Um, 
since his last win in 2020, he's had nine fights canceled and mm-hmm. two losses since 2020. Um, and unfortunately, I don't think things are going to get much easier for him here because he is taking on the undefeated Mohamed Mokayev, who is 10-0, and 0, um, and he really has looked unstoppable. I also like him to extend his undefeated streak here, but your thoughts? Uh, you know, I- I'm very interested to see these uh, exchanges because Alex Perez is a, you know, competing jiu-jitsu Yeah, guy. he's a we great grappler. We've seen him yeah. go against uh, some of the better guys in the actual jiu-jitsu yeah. world instead of just, you know, uh, some of the guys he's fighting. So it will be interesting to see. Uh, like you said, Alex Perez has had bad luck but always been in a good spot. It'll be interesting to see if um, if Mokayev gets kind of um, stifled or stalemated at the, in the submission department, what happens then? Because he's he's obviously, if you're going to put a bet on him, it's by sub. That's what he does sure. best. Um, but it'll just be interesting to see what he does if he can get stifled. But I do also believe in his wrestling, and I think that he'll be able to get to, to one of the positions he likes. Yeah, I agree. I, I like I said, I really like Mokhaev here, but you know, Alex Perez, we'll see. He just had a really tough run lately, man. Uh, moving down the card, a couple other fights. Eric Anders versus Jamie Pickett. Um, and the one we mentioned a minute ago, I don't remember if we talked about this last. I think we did when we yeah. announced it. But Umar Nurmagomedov uh, facing Bezkat Almakan. I hope I'm pronouncing that name. It's close. Okay. I can't quite remember exactly. Oh, no. Bekzat. Bekzat Almakan. Almakan. I don't know. 17 and 1. He's so... <laughs> So this is this is um, Almacon's. I was calling Bexot. Bexot. Well, that's his. This is his UFC debut, and he mm-hmm. is, as John mentioned, taking on the number thirteen ranked bantamweight in the world. Um, and to me, this is just disappointing. And I'm not disappointing for Umar. Silly. Not disappointing from the UFC. It's like like at some point, like somebody has to step up and fight this guy again. Corey Sanhagen is the only guy that we know of, at least, to publicly do it and say, "I'll take this guy." He don't scare me, son. Right. Um, got hurt, though. But the fact that I'm looking at the number 13 guy, meaning that he's got 12 people ranked above him, and clearly all said no, uh, that's a problem. And mm-hmm. uh, here he is taking on a UFC newcomer. What a chance for Bexot. I mean, dude, if he finds a way to beat... I'll tell you this much. It'd be one of the biggest upsets in UFC I history. watched some of his highlights, and he bangs. Yeah. He, no, I, I mean to be seventeen and one, you have to be good at you know at some point. Dude, but it's a free shot. But he throws he throws heat. So if Umar tries to play with him a little bit, it would be interesting to see if maybe he rocks him a little bit, and then Umar goes, "All right, well, let me go ahead and get you out of here." But because we've U- seen Umar's that lately, such a good these kind of random guys that are getting lined up with ranked people, the ranked people kind of. I mean, even Sarukian struggled a little bit. We've seen um, who else had? I mean, Mavzar with Diego Lopez. Like you just never know what you're going to get with some of these matchups. Uh, another fight, uh, Matt Schnell versus Steve Urseg. Um, Schnell, you know, hey, top nine in that flyweight division we're talking about. A lot of guys banged up. So whoever comes out of that fight with a win, that'll be big. A name also on the prelims I'm really excited for is Joel Alvarez. I'm really excited to see him back. I feel like he's been out for a while. Uh, let's see. Joel's last fight was... Yeah, July of, well, it was last July, okay, so a little bit, but he beat Mark Jacasey by submission, second round, and, but I mean, Joel Alvarez was a guy, he was on a four-fight win streak, ran into Armand Saruki and got, you know, TKO'd in the second round, but uh, has a win over, you know, Joe Duffy, Tiago Moises, Joe Duffy, there's a name, let me click on Joe Duffy, let's see where Joe Duffy, when's the last time, oh, he hasn't fought since 2020 in the UFC, so. And he's big too, 6'3 he's for a, big, a 55. Yep, yep, very similar to like a Jalen Turner, long, very good grappler, Um, so yeah, look, some good names. 
games. I'm not saying don't watch it. I'm a fanboy. I'll be watching. Prelims start at noon. Main card at four. John, let's get into the news. Going on the news. Mm. Going on the news. Mm-mm. If you don't like it, Brandon will punch you and give you a bruise. All righty. Well, we're going to start things off with what happened earlier Saturday when the PFL versus Bellator Champ Series ran. And uh, let's just say what a night for Bellator. Yeah. Um, yeah, they ran PFL's box. Almost got a full clean sweep, five to one in the six main cards. Obviously, we had some fights fall off or get changed. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, some guys had to step up on PFL's side. Right. Yeah. But for the most part, I mean, we had AJ McKee, Clay Collard. AJ McKee, man. What? <sighs> I messaged you and Brandon, and I said, the biggest tragedy is that AJ McKee is probably never going to fight in the UFC, um, or even more so, I'm fearful that it's going to be when he's past his prime, because we do see that happen. You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't want to say Michael Chandler's past his prime, but dang, if we could have got Michael Chandler four years earlier into yeah. the UFC. Before the two pit bull oh, fights, maybe. yeah, which probably took years off the guy's mm-hmm. life. Um, or even, like, uh, who was the other one? I was thinking of this guy the other day, too. I think he was in Strike Force. Uh, the 85er, he had the tattoos on his shins of like the Roman. Um, we just talked about him the other day. I know. Um, uh, the Brazilian, or no, was he? No, he was like. Um, s- s- he was Brazilian. Oh my goodness. Uh, Hector Lombard. Hector Lombard. Like, <sighs> dude, that just, boy out. The, yeah, the good one. I I would have never got there. Uh, but yeah, that, but like I'm, somebody like him, like was just killing and then just probably came a little too late. Um, mm-hmm. And I hope that's not the case. And, and not, look, I'm not saying there's not big fights for AJ McKee now with this whole thing, um, the merger and stuff like that. But, dude, just like I say with um, um, Patchy Mix, AJ McKee is one of, if not the best, or not, not the best, but he is one of the best 155, 145-pounder as well in the world. We're talking about a guy who's had success at both weight classes. I think he's honestly better at 55. Um and I mean, dude, you could throw him in. I mean, you could throw him with Islam tomorrow. I was I mean, going to say his tough, dude. His level of grappling because when he gets finishes, it's not just like, oh, yeah. nice, we're naked. It's what is that? Yeah, he's kind of like so. The finish he hit on Clay Collard, it was almost like a choy bar, but he kind of had the legs more like figure forward. I mean, just kind of like a funky thing. Throws but, up a triangle. Let's mm-hmm. Collard get his head out, and then the arm's still stuck. Yeah, I mean, and just, Clay Collard. He's not just gonna tap to you know little pressure or a little. Dude. My arm hurts. Like he's a he's a monster. Just broke it over the inside of his uh, hip. You know it's because even when you got a guy's arm extended like that, I mean we know it can be tough to find that kind of breaking point or mm-hmm. you know where you're gonna get the guy to tap. And he just kept following it and working it. And like I said, got it over the inside of his thigh and got the tap. And man, it's just he's just so good. Well, and, so and, good. And we kind of you kind of forget about him a little bit because he had the close fights with Pitbull, mm-hmm. and you know Patchy mixes rose up and you kind of like oh well he's probably the new you know top guy but yeah. aj mckee when he puts it all together is just is, is dangerous Dog. um and you had yellow ramiro beating tiago santos bit of a bit you know i said like i it just was a good night of fights this one kind of a little bit more underwhelming but i feel like for yoel romero that's kind of what we've gotten as of late mm-hmm. you know you can go back to the izzy fight right uh just a little bit, but the the dude's like forty four years old, yeah. so it's like in a specimen, and he's just Jeez. so good at getting guys to fight his pace and at his speed, and he is so dynamic even still, and just battered Tiago Santos's legs, who obviously has had you know the repaired knees and stuff, and just too much for him tonight or you know last Saturday, but yeah, good performance, just just kind of like a little bit more of a snoozer, really. Yeah, and I felt like with that matchup, you're either going to get a vicious knockout or right. probably kind of what we ended up getting. Then you had Vadim Nimkov making his heavyweight <sighs> debut. In a amazing fashion over Bruno yeah. Capaloza. 
Look, if I think Patchy Mix is the greatest non U, the best non UFC fighter right now, uh, Vadim Nemkov is probably number two, mm-hmm. um, even above AJ McKee. This is a guy, I, you know, I don't even you know like when I said AJ McKee, like I would throw a Patchy Mix in with Sean O'Malley tomorrow, and I've said it before, and I'll say it right now. I would probably favor Patchy Mix in that matchup. Um, I would throw Vadim Nemkov in with um, Alex Pereira or even. Uh, John Jones or Tom Aspinall mm-hmm. tomorrow, um, and it would be I could see him winning either any of in either division two hundred five mm-hmm. or heavyweight. I think he's even better at two hundred five in my opinion. I mean, I know last night was kind of the first taste we got right. of it, but I think as far as like his body of work at two hundred five is so good. Um, I, I just he's a star man. He and you know Fedor, Fedor prodigy obviously, mm-hmm. but um, good win. Yeah, and you know, I um, that's the reason I put him in my uh, dream pay per view matchup yeah. against Tom Aspinall because I see him at heavyweight. I see him at that very shifty. He, I mean, yeah. he's throwing kicks that heavyweights can't yeah. throw. He's he's moving the way heavyweights I can't agree. move. Totally agree. Uh, and he can finish you standing in. You see the submission game. Yep. So uh, next, you had Jason Jackson uh, brutalizing Ray Cooper the third. Okay, uh, so Jason Jackson is probably my number four, <laughs> but no, dude, like seriously, like what a story that guy is, um, you know, and, and just his abilities. And I feel like Jason Jackson, the scary thing about him is he, to me, is not even at his potential mm-hmm. yet. I think this is a guy who's still kind of learning a lot and learning the sport and is just running through guys that yeah. I don't know that somebody at his where he is should be. And yeah. that's scary. I, I would mean, love to crazy. see the original matchup that was supposed to be Magomed. Magomed Karamov. Yeah, Magomed Karamov. Karamov, yep. yeah. Yep. Um, good on Ray Cooper for stepping in, but man, uh, Jason Jackson looked or great. Or was it Magomed Magomedov? I can't remember. It's one of them. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, then you had job, Johnny Eblen getting all he could handle from Impa Kasanganai. Uh, obviously, the reason this fight happens at 85 with Impa being the 205 yeah. champion is because Vadim had to uh, relinquish his title because he wanted to go to heavyweight, so they didn't have a 205 right. champion. So uh, Impa came down, but he gave Johnny Eblen everything. And some people even thought he should have won this fight. It was a close one. Um, again, talk about... I don't want to take away from Evelyn because he did come back in that fight because um, he was rocked pretty bad in that first round. But again, Impa Kasang and I, what a story um, that guy is. You can go look it up. But they even said that next month... Or no, uh, in two months, uh, he is starting his... Uh, college career at harvard law or something like Jeez. so he's a full-time fighter hard about to be a harvard student like immigrant parents came from nothing was like sleeping in his car cut from the ufc because he got the knocked out the highlight knockout by joaquin buckley yeah. and i mean just a cool cool story i stepped in when pfl lost all their 205ers yeah. and just kind of ran through I, it i think a lot of times you know we always talk about like oh dude i hope i mean you i would love to interview anybody right there's not many people and i but that's one guy i hope that we one day get to sit down and talk to because just what a guy and just oh, would, fascinating i would love to pick his brain and talk to him <laughs> and, and if you would have asked me i would have said johnny Eblen oh. is probably my number two or three. Oh, dude he's undefeated i mean that i was i was watching that fight like holy cow if impa if he pulls this off, gives Evelyn his first, I mean, this might be one of the greatest career resurgences ever. Um, and I mean, again, it wasn't like he got outclassed or anything, but mm-hmm. yeah, man, uh, really good fight. Yeah, a lot of fight. people thought with his knockdown and a lot of people were calling like if any of these fights deserved to be five rounds, it was that yeah, one. Yeah, I know. Well, and it, you know, I think maybe there could have been an argument maybe with, I didn't think it was a 10-8, but, you know, I mean, maybe a draw could have been on yeah. the cards. But, but we've just never seen Johnny Eblen get knocked down, yeah. let, it, let alone multiple times right. and just kind of given the push. And then uh, Ryan Bader going down yeah. quickly against Hinan Fajeda. 
yeah, so we're going to pit stop here for just a sec because what Hinton Fajeda did to Ryan Bader in the main event spot of this massive card was a home run mm-hmm. for the start of this Bellator PFL venture um, because that's the kind of win and moment uh, that they can build off of to kind of sell a fight to us fans between Fajeda and Francis Ngannou. Mm-hmm. But, man, did they miss a big moment and opportunity by not getting Ngannou in the cage for right. a face-off. Ngannou was out of the arena by the time they were putting the build on uh, Fajeda. Um, and with how quickly he left that arena, it also uh, makes it look like he's kind of uninterested. Mm. Um, I don't know if they just didn't tell him, like, hey, man, we want you in the cage, or if he was just like, I'm out. I don't know. And I don't know contractually what Francis has to do in terms of fighting for the PFL. But if Francis Ngannou beats Anthony Joshua next week, um, to me, there is no way he is coming back to MMA. I won't say ever, but anytime soon, and especially, in my opinion, not to fight Hinn and Fajeda. Right. Um, with all due respect to Hinn and Fajeda, who looked incredible here, um, because he will have some massive boxing opportunities and fights on his yeah. hands. You know, we talked Usyk, possibly a Fury rematch. Um, I also... Louise Wilder. I mean, just throw a name out there in the top. Oh, dude, 100%. I also didn't quite love the use of John Jones on the broadcast of this fight card as well. Uh, to me, for what appeared to be another attempt to make the Jones and Ganu super fight happen, because the whole point of this main event of this card was to find if who Francis's next opponent was going to be. Um, so why are you cage side making it a point to tell us you guys aren't the ones holding up the Francis and Ganu John Jones? You know, he's like, the PFL and Bellator, we're not the ones holding this fight fight up. Like, I don't know if they think us as MMA fans are stupid or dumb, but we know it's yeah. the UFC. <laughs> like, we know that. Yeah. Just focus on your contenders um, and who you're trying to build this night around because that's why we're watching. If mm-hmm. I'm watching this card, it's to see who who they got, who, who they're going to try to send out there against Francis because that's what we were told, right? Um, and it just didn't work with Jones either. It actually made for a very kind of weird and awkward segment. Um, they were basically asking him, essentially, it's almost verbatim. Well, they basically asked him if he would leave the UFC just to make it happen like he's not going to say that on your broadcast um, and especially not live on air it was just really weird and desperate Uh, but then again maybe they just know there is slim chances that Francis is going to come back to MMA for anything less Mm -hmm. than John Jones especially if he finds success against Anthony Joshua Um, and if they ever want to see Ngannou step into a PFL or Bellator cage um they know that they need to get desperate in a sense mm-hmm. and make it happen. But then again, if that's the case, then why did you tell us, like, build this whole main event around of whoever wins this is getting right. that big Francis fight? And not only that, you you, you build it up as that. And what does Fajeda do? He does everything, everything you, you could need. ask yeah. for. Everything he, you could ask emphatic, for. Emphatic, huge win, walk yes. off. Like, the the being able to use footage like that, and, I mean, whatever footage they would use for Francis. Right. But it, 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 the promo's there. Yes. Um, and Fajeda has everything you would want. You know, I mean, he's not the name, right? He's not John Jones. Right. Um, or he's not Derek Lewis or somebody else who's been floated out as guys that maybe they would go after for Francis. But in terms of a contender, there's a lot to like about him well, and Fajeda. The optics. The size, right? I mean, look, dude, just the size difference. The, the, punch that he, the punch that he hit Ryan Bader with, he was like looking yeah. down – 
and just kind of punching down on him. Like sure. that's, I mean, because Ryan Bader, obviously, has had 205 success with Bellator, ended up taking the heavyweight belt as well, kind of leaving with that. Um, but, man, uh, and, and I'm with you. I think the John Jones thing was, I can't, I, I imagine that Gary Brecker dude probably got a call from Dana White of him just flipping out because his heavyweight champion, which, uh, just a little sidebar, how weird is it that, John Jones is doing like this tour over in like <laughs> the Philippines or wherever. Well, I think his I think I think his end goal was always going to be to come to this, and so I think it was like let me just go and yeah. make the rounds. I'm sure he's getting paid to make appearances at gyms and seminars and things. Which like that. I don't know if you've seen like during those seminars, he references what DC does a lot. He was referencing like the elbow, like the hand fighting, and even like some of the stuff he caught DC with. But just with their yeah. back and forth, it's just funny. That I he saw did those that. clips. But yeah. I just thought it was interesting to be, you know, say you're not healthy enough to fight till XYZ, and you're really, you know, publicly out there. But then even after they said the whole like we know Bellator isn't holding it up, John Jones kind of walks across the screen and gives the camera a look, and like yeah. Dana White has to be like crapping himself because it's like, what are you doing there as my champion? I mean, we've seen giving, Connor do it though. Giving you know? them a chance to say stuff like this, though, like yeah, I mean, we've we, but again, Connor did it, like the bare knuckle thing, like him going in the bare knuckle cage yeah, but and holding knuckle, the belt and saying like, "I want to do this and I want this belt one day." You know, yeah, like, I guess I just feel like with what PFL's trying to do, yeah. you're just giving them a little bit more, uh, you know, fuel than they need. Um, yeah, I just thought it was really weird. Like, like I said, like we're we're fans. We we know right. we know we can read the room. We know the UFC is holding it up, and that you guys would take it in a heartbeat, but don't look desperate. Like, yeah. you know, now you're just looking like, hey, we really need this. Please make it happen for us. Um, especially when the whole point was to figure out who this big $2 million contender that we've been waiting to see that they're going to roll out. And like you said, imagine imagine if that fight went to a decision, Ryan Bader just kind of held Fajeda down the whole time, you know, double-aged him, not real convincing, kind of a snoozer. Like, we would be sitting here like, dang, Francis is not fighting, you know, but yeah. now you're sitting here, it's like, man, physically, Fajeda looks like a legit heavyweight contender, right? The way he just knocked out Ryan Bader, I understand Ryan Bader probably more of a 205 or just has, you know. But has some good heavyweight wins, too. Right, though. right, for sure. But, you know, I get he's not Francis Ngannou. Right. Like, and, and I also understand Hendon Fajeda has never faced anybody. I think one of his bigger opponents that he's faced in terms of names was Fabricio Verdum, who... It was kind of a weird fighting. Not he he won by TKO, but then it was overruled later because uh, Fabricio had him trying what I think and Fajeda tapped, so they overruled it to a no contest. But uh, again, like I, I understand he doesn't have the resume, but out like when when we were getting sold before Francis left mm -hmm. the UFC on John Jones you're not going to convince us that anything's another option. So just be glad that you have a guy yeah. that went out and did what you needed him to do on your debut card, this big event in the main event. And I mean, I understand taking, you know, the opportunity to get the sound bites from Jones again. I understand it, but it's just like build this guy. And then to not get Francis there in mm -hmm. the cage at the end, I just felt like was, it was a big fumble kind of there at the end uh, by whoever it was to, to that should have corralled him into that cage for that face-off because seeing those two face-to-face -face as well could have like been like, whoa, like yeah. that's, that's a legit heavyweight fight. So Especially right after he just did what he did. Yeah. Um, but I will say, outside, I mean, I know I'm kind of picking on it a little bit. Outside that, I thought it was a great event, great fights. I would love to see more of this in mixed mm -hmm. martial arts in general, including with the UFC. I would love to see the mm -hmm. UFC be willing to cross-promote with one or Bellator or then PFL, whoever. I don't think it's ever going to happen, no. obviously, but I would love to see. It was fun. Well, what I want to take to, well, also just real quick, 
Um, Aaron Pico looked really good on the yeah. undercard. Clarissa uh, Shields. Clarissa Shields. What I think is interesting is, you know, she's talking about wanting to box all these guys, and this girl that I'd never yeah. heard of just ate her punches. She was one and two. Right. Like, yeah. So, and she wants to fight Cyborg. Yeah. That was the other Shields thing. has a long way forget, to go in her MMA. Forget boxing a guy. She wants to fight Cyborg. Right. And she just got all she could handle from a girl that was one and two. And then I feel like I saw a video of Clarissa Shields sparring a guy and got dropped. Did yeah. You see that? What she said was that the guy like ha- like took padding out of his glove or something. But my thing is, is you're talking about knocking Come these on. people out and you just got your four ounce gloves couldn't knock out this girl yeah, that we never heard of. That's crazy. Either way, uh, Ali Walsh. Um, Ali Walsh. Yep. He made his pro debut one. Actually had like a wrestling heavy type of uh, vibe yep. to it. And then uh, the first fight was the Riyadh dude making his debut um he's he's from saudi arabia big win for him obviously uh being there so um but then also you know we'd talked about like what does this even mean what is this event supposed to signify like what are we doing here and i think they answered a lot of questions with you know the product they put on but also you know kind of putting the tinfoil hat back on we've talked about the ufc and espn this is obviously being on espn it was a success Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it's going to bode well for pfl uh and for even for espn to probably maybe be like well, maybe we don't need the UFC when we have this and all the other things we have right. going on. So that'll be interesting. Um, moving on via Ariel Hawani, we now know the three fighters that Leon Edwards was offered for the main event for UFC 300. Although for the most part, our guesses were correct in terms of like an Islam or a Shavkat. <clears throat> And though the and through the preferred matchup list that was spread around, we found out that Hamzat was also was the third one on that list. One name that was missing was Bilal Muhammad, yeah. who we've talked about at length about being the next guy for Leon. They even teased the fight when Leon announced it at a soccer game that they'd be fighting at UFC 300. And unlike the three guys on the list who have possibly could possibly cite Ramadan as a reason to not fight, Hamzat and Islam, I think both have confirmed that. I don't know if we've heard. Um, from Shavkat yet, but Bilal was willing to fight despite being within that himself. And even um, when questioned on it uh, for what would be next for Leon since he's not fighting on 300, Dana White balked on the idea of Bilal and just said, we'll see who he gets. My mic just broke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just it came. I did see it kind of snap up. Yeah. But but yeah, so we're, so we're looking at this whole situation with Leon. And once again, we're hit, hit with the question of what are we doing with Bilal Muhammad? Yeah. Uh, and... and I don't know. And even like for Hamza, like this dude is a dedicated 85 er to hear them talk about it for the longest. And now yeah. you're trying to, Oh, well, you know, maybe give him a little bit more time and give him a shot over a Bilal who's done what he's done in that division. Yeah. So this is like one of those, another one of those things where we say we get the neon belly curse where we do an episode and then <laughs> yeah. I think this literally came out Monday Yeah, uh, and we record on Sundays. So yeah, very interesting list. Um, and you know, the running joke all week was you literally asked, three guys that were in the middle of Ramadan. And then like you just said, there was one more guy in the middle of Ramadan who said he would fight in the middle of Ramadan in Bilal Muhammad and is undoubtedly the number one contender and should have been offered that fight. Um, Very, very weird. I I would really love to know Bilal's take on all of it. I don't know that he released any kind of a statement or anything. I've seen him post like some memes type of stuff. And that's kind of like his personality too, right? Like he, he jokes and, and all those type of things. But like, there's, uh, it just kind of racks my brain of like yeah. at one point, you know, three, four weeks prior, it was on the table, right? It was on the table, it was on the table, and now we find out the three guys they offered were guys who were never going to fight anyways, right? 
Um, and then you kind of praise Leon for being willing to fight him, which good on him because Leon, you know, he's we've never seen him be the type of guy yeah. who's backing down from people. He wouldn't back down from Bilal either. But yeah, that was probably the best part of it was Dana finally kind of giving Leon some flowers there uh, because Leon was a serviceable, serviceable guy before COVID as well. Right. Like just unfortunately ran into a lot of issues with, you know, with COVID and mm-hmm. getting out of his own country. And I think he got injured as well. So, yeah. um, glad to see that but yeah well dude. the irony of finally giving him flowers is not giving not one to a Bilal muhammad yeah. who's who's has fought during ramadan for you before recently last, last minute right. right um very very odd move there by the ufc and dana white I, yeah i was kind of shocked they even put that out there and, and i understand well that, i guess ariel put it yeah out, but. and i understand that you know it's not maybe the sexiest matchup you can make hamza and leon probably gets people's going a little bit more islam or right. whatever but you know, you have rankings, you have f- winning streaks, like all this stuff matters. And I don't know if they're shadow banning him. I don't know. And he has a lot of friends within the company who do the broadcasting and right. stuff and in and, and the he's media. Done he's done it. I mean, you know, we talk about, you know, John Annix went to bat for him a whole bunch of times, like yeah. people who are really connected. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what kind of comes from this when we hear from, you know, hear from Bilal, maybe yeah. hear from more from Dana White or even like a shot of somebody else who we haven't heard from yet. So, yeah. Um, speaking of Hamzat, there was an interesting interaction with Dana White in MMA media as there were some reports that Israel Adesanya versus Hamzat was being confirmed. Now, um, as a podcast who reports news, we deal with outlets reporting things and we have to confirm those ourselves with trusted sources. Uh, in this case, even outlets like Yahoo Sports ran with this, causing Dana White and his posting a story to basically say this is not happening. It was a fake post. All the MMA media that ran with this are the problem. Absolute clowns. I agree. I actually agree with Dana on this. Yeah. I don't know how. Like when I saw it, I instantly was like, there's no way. And then, like you said, kind of started going to the places that we try to like the reliable places that we try to get our news from. And nobody was that I saw with, you know, credit or that I would be- trust was even mm-hmm. running with it, even mentioning it. Um, I, there was no mention anywhere. I mean, it was just, it was a joke. And yeah, it's kind of like, why would you even, I mean, that not that that fight wouldn't necessarily make sense, but it would be very weird and random and out of nowhere. Away. Yeah, it's just, it was kind of odd anyways. Well, and, yeah. in full transparency, when we first started, we struggled with knowing what was 100% ready to go. And, yeah. you know, because you got to find out where people are getting their stuff from. Um, yeah. But it, I just thought that was interesting. And, and it is, and it is, the other side of that is sometimes we'll see a fight rumored that gets put out, you know, four weeks before they actually do it. And it does stay true. Right. But that's kind of on us to wait until we get that full confirmation. Sure. Um. To some people's dismay, Henry Cejudo announced that he's in fact not retiring from the UFC after previously stating that he would if he lost to Marab. Uh, also on the topic, Tony Ferguson also said he's not retiring. Now, although Henry isn't as far into the loss column as Tony, it will be interesting to see what the UFC does with these guys moving forward. Funny thing is, Tony said he wants Jake Paul, and he was like, I don't care if Dana doesn't like that idea. I've done enough for this company, and I kind of agree with him. Yeah. Like, hey, I mean, I I would love to see, you know, uh, Tony Ferguson versus Jake Paul in an MMA fight. Yeah. I, think, I think that would be fun. And for where Tony's at, like, what do you, yeah, what do you want to see Tony in with a top 15, even a top 25 guy? Like, no. I don't even want to see him on a contender series. Yeah, like, no, no. Like, yeah, give him, give him a guy like a Jake Paul or something. Like, that'd be fun. But we've, uh, but we've also seen them with guys like Diego Sanchez and other people where they just force him out because they don't sure. want to play a part of of seeing him lose yeah with henry that's going to be interesting um because like we kind of discussed last week too is henry's a guy where for whatever reason i just don't get the vibe and i've said it last week or when we talked about the fight is i just don't think dana likes him 
Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know why. I just I, I don't think he's a, the, the biggest fan of Henry. Um, and I don't see them softballing him if he wants to step back in there um, unless he asks for it. Uh, I don't see, you know, you look at Henry's trying to compete in a division, the 135-pound division, where it doesn't, it doesn't get easier Mm-mm. as you move down. Like, okay, if you want to go fight like a, you know, geez, I don't even know, man. Like, I mean, who, who, I don't Ricky know. Ricky Simone at Yeah, 15. like maybe somebody like that, but I just, I don't know what's left for a guy like Henry Cejudo. I don't know if maybe he's thinking try another run at 25, which at his age, and based off, you know, what we saw, we've seen now twice at 35, I don't know, because he doesn't look way off the mark, but he definitely doesn't look like Mm-hmm. triple c right you know where the guy that was you know just running through people and mm-hmm. and you know like again that dominant cruz his last uh title win or his last win um how good he looked in that fight like he looks miles off of that and i don't think that's time away because now we've seen it over two fights now where it's like he just i mean it happens right time yeah. he was out for a long time and he just doesn't look like the same guy anymore so i don't know what's left for him at 35 i mean i feel like at this point uh, Henry Cejudo is two, maybe even three wins away from getting back to a title mm-hmm. shot. And again, you're trying to do that in a division where everybody's good and scary. They only dropped him to number six, despite being I, I mean, two yeah, in a I mean, row boss. You know, because it's who he lost to. Like, yeah. I understand not dropping. And again, it's not like he looked miles off it. But it, again, like, so do you have the rankings? Yeah. So what's what's the top 10? The top 10 is Jonathan Martinez, Rob Font, Davison Figueroa. Oh, you're going 10, 10, to not, 10 to 1. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, if I go 1, it's Marab, Aljamain, Sanhagen, Pieter Jan, Marlon Vera, Henry Cejudo, Sonia Dong, Davison Figueroa, Rob Font, and Jonathan Martinez. Yeah, I mean, those are. I mean, him and Piotr Jan, maybe. Yeah. That would be... Is, is Piotr... Is he booked right now? Yeah, he's supposed to fight yeah. Fon- Song Yadong in March. That's right. Um, I don't know, man. Honestly, if if Garbrandt wasn't <laughs> fighting Figgy, that maybe... Maybe one like that, Or yeah. even the winner of that. Like, I mean, I don't know if... It, it depends on what they want to do with Figgy in that division. Yeah, I just... Outside of stuff like that, I don't... I don't know. I just don't Dominique know. Cruz doesn't have an opponent right now. Like, maybe run that back? I yeah, don't know. maybe. Pedro Munoz is always looking for a chance to get back up. So there's, there is fights, but he's going to have to be willing to backtrack that. Is that what he that. wants? Right. Yeah, you want to be a contender again at his age where, again, you just said, if I can't beat a guy like a Marab Dwalashwili, I don't need to be fighting at this level. You said that yourself right. going into that fight. And so what happened happened. We all saw mm-hmm. it. And it's like you're basically admitting if you couldn't do it, you're not at that level. So how do you even get back? Because there's a good chance – Again, if you have to win two or three more, that you're going to run into a guy like Marab, if not Marab himself, again. So, mm-hmm. I don't well, know. and you know, we're kind of seeing now with the way he fights. You know, three rounds isn't the same for him as five. So, on this build back up, he's going to have to change that aggressiveness and the way he does things. So, yeah. it'll just be interesting to see what the UFC does with both of those guys. Obviously. Tony is a little bit more expendable, but Cejudo still has some fun matchups. Yeah, uh, It was announced that UFC 306 will be taking place September on a Mexican Independence Day at the Sphere in Las Vegas. Yeah, I saw Dana said today in three, about three to four, he said give him three to four weeks and he'll start giving the plans away on mm-hmm. kind of the setting, what it's going to look like. And I'm really excited for that, man. My mom even knows about it. She was like, you going to go? Yeah. I was like, uh, no. Well, we watched like, the, the karate combat matches there and it's, yeah. I mean, it looks so fun. Um, yeah. I think they're wanting to do Garasso there 
Is it where I, I thought so, they yeah, talked last? He, he said that he'll have an announcement for her here in the next couple of weeks. So I'm sure that's what it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, so that'll be fun. And then uh, lastly, in some boxing news, Tank Davis has agreed to fight Frank Martin for the light uh, lightweight WBA title on the line. They're looking to fight sometime late spring, early summer. So oh. good for Frank Martin. Yep. Our, yeah, Frank Martin. Is, is he from Indianapolis or just has ties here? I know I he get, trained here. I think it's ties because he's from Texas. I thought right. I know he trains there with like yeah. Aerosmith's team and but stuff like that. He spent time here. Yeah, I he's trained because he trained with Lorenzo. Lorenzo and, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so maybe it's more like a kind of close to Chicago thing too. But he's trained in Indiana, so I that's kind of how we got. Actually, in Indianapolis, is what he I might thought. be. I think he's. I think I've seen him in some of those training things. So yeah. Maybe it's just a cross training thing. But look, Indiana connection. So we're gonna show it love. Absolutely, uh, John. Song of the week. What do you got? I'm gonna go with Bad Bunny Monaco. Bad Bunny. Okay, I've been hearing that a lot <laughs> on uh, that, like reels and stuff. Dude, that sample is so dope. Yeah. Oh, what's your one for the people? One for the people is uh, I'm gonna bring it up now because we're gonna be talking about it a lot on FX, the show Shogun. I think it comes the 27th, I believe, is when it um is supposed to come on. So I in a couple tonight. days, it might be tonight. I thought it was the 24th. Um. Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly what day it is, but we're definitely gonna be watching it. We've yeah. been talking about it with each other. Yeah, because we're both we're fans of the show Vikings mm-hmm. uh, on F. I think it was on FX yeah. too, and it looks like the exact same style, just samurai. Yeah, and I've seen like some little preview cuts, and I'm I'm just ready. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that show. That's one I've definitely been waiting for as well. Uh, that's going to be it. Uh, definitely come back next week. We will uh, recap the fight night. Hopefully, um, again, for as maybe light as the card is, it gives us enough to talk about. I'm sure it does. Mm-hmm. It, they always do. The fights always do. They always deliver, typically. Um, and then we are here, UFC 299. We're going to get you guys set up next week with our picks and predictions. And I think we're doing the whole main card because yeah. this card is stacked. Sean O'Malley, Cheetah Vera. In the main event for the Bantamweight title, and then the co-main is... Dang it, who is the co-main? Dustin and Dustin and Saint-Saint-Denis. See how Cruz said his name? No, we got Gilbert Burns versus... Uh, Jack Della. Jack Della. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's a stack yeah, card. Yeah, we could so. pick the prelims, too, if we really yeah. wanted. So come back next week. Till then, we'll see you guys. Peace. Peace.